0: Welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please go to thepearlchurch.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Into the Word this morning. Uh, Is anybody here ready to study the Bible? Who wants to study the Bible? Okay, so let's study the Bible. I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning or get on your device, or for those of you who have the entire scripture memorized, uh, this is John chapter 21, all right? So in the beginning of the Gospel of John, you have Jesus who comes down to earth in the flesh, God in the flesh, the incarnation, by the way, the incarnation is not an Easter message, it's a Christian message, can I, right? Okay, so we live with Jesus every day. Um, I did two, two questions. We're doing a series called The Questions of Jesus. In in scripture, Jesus asked hundreds of questions but he only answered about three questions. He literally uses questions to teach us. Now, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of where you, know, you feel God asking you a question and you feel like you gotta rise up to answer it. It's the, it's the way that human nature works. If I tell a young child, do not put your hand on the stove because you'll get burned. Now, one of my daughters did and one of my daughters did not. So I don't wanna tell you which is which, but if you know them, you could guess. So one of them uh, put their hand on the stove and so you Say now, now um, tell me, tell me, sweetheart. uh, um, Why should you not put your hand on the stove? And there's something about being asked a question when the work is already begun when you're already learning something. And what God does is God leads us and he takes care of us and he works in us and then he asks us questions because he wants us to come to the conclusions on our own. I can tell my daughter, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove. I can tell my daughter 10 times and she's still because she's filled with the Adamic nature like all of us, she's gonna touch the stove. And then when it's all over, I can go, sweetheart, now why should we not touch the stove? And she could say, because it hurts, dad. You're going to burn yourself. Duh. Right. And now that becomes something that's internalized. This is how God works in all of us in all kinds of areas, teaching us all kinds of lessons. Right. So I've done two questions. The first question that we dealt with, I'm going to do 12, 12 questions of Jesus that frame in. The kingdom of God that frame in what God is doing on the earth with His people. The first question was, uh, "What do you want?" Or you could say, "Who are you looking for?" So the disciples were looking for Jesus, and the question is basically, "What kind of God do you want me to be? Like, which Jesus do you want me to be? Do you want me to be the Jesus that does whatever you want, or do you want me to be the kind of Jesus that comes to earth with a plan and with a purpose, and you got to fit into that, and then you get healed and you grow and you discover?" He says, "I can't be the Jesus that the flesh wants. I have to be." who I am, who is it that you want me to be in your life? And then we go on that journey, like, yeah, what, what kind of God do I want? What am I looking for? Last week, we talked about, do you put a light under a bowl? Jesus asked the question, when you, walk, when you bring a light into the room, do you put it under a bowl? Now, the key word in that story is not just light, but it's the, it's the, uh, the verb, bring. Can everyone just say bring? Okay, so the idea is Jesus wants to know, Who are you looking for? And now that you found him, when you walk into a room, are you gonna keep the light to yourself? Is it for you to do your thing? Or when you bring your light into the room, do we make the choice to put the light on a lampstand so that everyone in the room can see? And he doesn't want us to keep the light to ourselves. He wants us to put the light on a stand so that it lights up the room, so that everybody can benefit from the light. These are aspects of the kingdom. Who is God and what is the light for? And this morning, I wanna answer a question from John chapter 21, where Jesus asked Peter, he said, do you love me? Do you love me? Now let me read it to you, and then we'll give a little context, and we'll get into it and get done today. But it says says in uh, uh, verse 15 of chapter 21, the Gospel of John, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, the son of John, Do you love me more than all these people? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than that person? Do you love me more than that person? Do you love me more than what's happening right here? Do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, okay, then feed my lambs." And again, Jesus said to him, hey, uh, Simon, son of John, I'm just wondering, uh, do you love me? And then he said to him, he answered, yes, Lord. I mean, you know, I mean, you know that I love you. So now he's been asked the same question twice. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, then you need to take care of my sheep. And then a third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John. Yes, Lord. Hey, uh, hey, I'm just wondering, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Because Jesus dared, you know, to ask him three times, you know, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know, you know all things. Now this is important. You know all things and you know that I love you. He said, then feed my sheep. So here's Jesus in a resurrected body. Jesus shows up on the bank of the river. He's going to fulfill his plan. He's resurrected. Peter and John, they're, they're, they're out fishing in a boat. Jesus shows up, walks up to the bank of the river, looks out and sees him, gets a big smile on his face. And he says to himself, self, Lord, this is gonna be good. And he yells to the people in the boat. He says, hey, are you catching any, you catching any fish? Now, now, in most contexts, this would be fine, but to, to Peter and John, this is not really a funny joke to be playing on anybody. Because the first time that they did this, that they got asked this question, they weren't catching any fish, and Peter ended up on his face in front of Jesus' feet crying, because a miracle happened, and and then Jesus is gone, and they followed him, and he got crucified and buried, they don't know where he is, and somebody has the audacity to yell across out into the water about 100 yards away. He says, hey, you guys catching anything? I think John John looked at Peter and said, that's not funny, whoever that is is not funny. And then, To make a long story short, they discover that it's Jesus. They know in their heart, they show up, they get on the bank, and they pull out their miracle catch up onto the bank of the river. Now, the first time with the fish, the nets all broke, but the second time, the nets don't break. And I wish I could just take more time there. I've done it in the past, but there's something about this moment, prophetically. So Jesus shows up where they are. Jesus knows who they are. And the great part about the story is that Jesus is already cooking fish, and he hasn't even fished. Can you imagine Peter and John pulling up? They come up and they, and they, they look down and, and Jesus is cooking fish. Hey guys, what's up? Now, do you a little more butter, a little more garlic? I got some fish for you, right? So Jesus knows who you are, Jesus knows where you are, and Jesus knows what you need. He wanted them to know that in the middle of the moment when they thought they were the most alone, now, some of you need to hear this this morning, in the middle of, of being the most alone, Jesus knows who you are, Jesus knows where you are, and Jesus knows what you need. He's going to provide for you. Whether the fish show up or the fish don't show up, Jesus already has fish in the pan for you. Can I hear an amen? He knows. Okay, so, so then they have this little conversation and Jesus says, hey, do you love me? But he asks him three times in a row, do you love me? And, and it's interesting because what you discover is that Jesus, the Bible says, he says, you know all things. You know I love you. How many of you believe that Jesus knows what's in your heart? Hold on, I just think. They fly in threes. They do, they fly in threes. That would be the third one. That is an F-14. I feel very safe right now. I want you guys, everyone to know that when I preach, the military flies jets over, the, flies fighter jets over the top of the church. You don't have anything to worry about at the Pearl Church, people. Okay. All right. This is like Air Force One right now. Jesus is in the house. Okay. So he says, hey, he says, now, I, I just got to ask you a question because, because, because I know that you know all things. So if you know all things, why are you asking me if I love you? Jesus already knew he loved him. Jesus was asking him because Jesus wanted to know what Peter meant by love. Because it's not about just, do I know you love me? Yeah, I know you love me, but I want to know how you define love because I define love differently than you do. And people say, well, why did he ask him three times? Why did he ask him three times? Well, it could have been that because Peter in just the next book of the Bible, he was about to be the very first pastor. How many of you know that the pastor should love people? I, I, and I'm struggling. I struggle all the time with that. I just, you know, love people. It, it, you should love people. Or maybe it's because he wanted him to be trained. He wanted him to hear something. Because each time that Jesus said to Peter, feed my, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, he used a different Greek word each time. The first time he said, you need to feed my lambs, that was the word feed. It, was, it means pasture in the Greek. In other words, you need to take care of them. Give them what they need. Feed them nurture them the second time is the is a word that actually means to rule over them or to lead them he he was saying that you need to be a good leader for the people and the third greek word is actually a combination of two greek words when he says you need to feed my sheep he changes it it actually means you need to be in this for the long haul i need you to go all the way with this not halfway so maybe jesus was trying to teach him something and train him But there's also, he says that that Peter was hurt. He was was like, how could you ever ask me in front of all of these people if I love you three times in a row? And I think that in the atmosphere, just a little while earlier, you know, some things when Jesus asks questions, the answers don't always come in the English. They just sit right inside of our spirit. And I think that Jesus just looked at Peter. Now, do you remember when Peter looked at Jesus? Do you remember when Peter looked at Jesus, when Jesus was being taken to the cross? They're pulling Jesus away. Peter's hiding in the corner. He catches, they catch each other's eye, in the gospels, catch each other's eye, and it says that Peter runs out and he wept bitterly. I think that in the atmosphere, Jesus was saying, well, you just denied me three, th- three times, so I thought I'd ask you three times. I just think, I think he's trying to make a point. But what does love mean to you, Peter? Because Peter struggled with love through the, the entire gospel. Like, what does it mean? We have a tendency in our humanity to love people for what they can do for us. And Peter struggled with this the whole way. He wanted to, be, he wanted to sit at the right hand of, of Jesus and rule. He wanted to be the great defender of Jesus and everybody look at him. He he wanted to have authority and he, he always viewed it with kind of an agenda. And so Jesus was just saying, Peter, if, if you are going to love me like you like I know you do, then you have to love what I love. So there's, there's, a, there's a couple of ways that we struggle with this, and Peter struggled with it, and I, I want you to just walk with me for a minute through this. Number one, Peter always had the attitude like, I love you because I need you. I need something from you. And what happens is that, that the reason why Jesus puts love and the sheep together is because you cannot love somebody and not love what they love. I love you, but I don't like your family. I love you, but I don't like your children. Well, then you don't really love me. I love you, Pastor Doug, but I can't stand your church. Now you laugh, I've actually had people say that to me. Oh, I love you, but I can't stand your church. And I just go, then you don't really love me. And, and those are always the people that wanna go on, here I go. Those are always the people that wanna go on, on Google and review churches. Like church was a coffee shop. Well, they were really way too loud, and and someone did not say hi to me. One star. I get online sometimes, and we're like a four point five to a five review, you know, on all four point. What are we four or a four point eight on Facebook? But we're a four point five on Google. Can you imagine if I got on Google and and looked at myself and rated my own Christianity by the Google review? Ask me if I care. Because I don't. The church will be reviewed from heaven backwards. Come on, somebody. And so. And so, you know, it's, it's like, well, what, what can you do for me? I love you, but I don't love your church. Or I, I, I love you, but not your people. I love you, but not your friends. I love you, but not your sister. I love you, but not your brother. I love you, but I don't love anything that I that, that you stand for. But there's something about you. See, there's something about you. I want to be around you. But this is not how Jesus defines love. He says, if you love me, then you have to love who I love. And I love my sheep because I didn't come just for you. I came for everybody that the light impacts on the room. It's for every person you can't love me and not love my purpose. You can't love me and not love my people. You can't love me and not love my children. Come on. You can't love me and just say, oh, I just want to be with you. Because what happens is, is that when we define love through what you can do for me, that is not love. That is a codependent relationship. And too many people treat Christianity like a codependent relationship. I'm just going to be with Jesus. I'm just with Jesus. I'm just with Jesus. Sorry, I just I don't have time for you. I'm with Jesus. Jesus wants to be with me. I see your problem. I can't wait to preach on compassion in a few weeks because there's a point where Jesus had a woman in tears wiping the tears off of Jesus' feet with her hair. And Jesus looks up at the disciples and goes, do you even see her? That's one of the questions. I see you but I have to spend time with Jesus right now. All right, Lord, let's talk about me. And and we we treat Jesus as if he's just here for me. That's why Jesus said, no, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my lambs. If you love me, feed my sheep. You can't take me for yourself, because I didn't come for you. I came for the whole of humanity. Come on, Peter. And maybe maybe the denial, maybe your three denials, maybe we've got three levels that we need to get through to get down to what's real. Maybe we got to get through your pride, which always comes from insecurity. So maybe the first layer is the pride, the second layer is the insecurity, and the third layer is you don't understand purpose at all because you think I came back to defeat everybody and have a real throne with a real right hand, but I'm setting up an earthly kingdom. Maybe you just don't, maybe we need to go through three levels of this, Peter. You gotta love my sheep. We can't just love Jesus for what we need, but when you have someone and you love them, you will love what they love. When I first started dating Donna, I took her out to a a restaurant where they had oysters and raw fish and everything that I grew up on. We never cooked anything. Why? It's so good. Why ruin it with a flame? I sit Donna down, and I order a bunch of raw oysters and a bunch of raw fish and all the stuff, and I looked at her and I said, all right, let's eat. And she goes, yeah. And I watched her take a couple of bites, and I looked up at her face, and I got to be honest, I knew she didn't like it, and it was a test. No, not really. But I looked up at her, and she goes, "Mmm." and she literally had tears in her eyes. She did that because she loves me. People do things. When my when my middle daughter, my middle daughter, I don't know if you're a parent, but do you remember the if you have a girl, if you do you remember the American doll girl doll season of your life? American girl dolls are not a doll, they're a season. It's a season. And they go on for like 3 years. It's Well, look, my my daughter came home one day and she said, Daddy, I I really want an American Girl doll. And I said, honey, I want you to have that doll. (laughs) What doll do you want? And it was the year that the Hawaiian princess came out. I want the Hawaiian one. I said, you are going to get the Hawaiian one. (laughs) Yes, because all of a sudden, I became an expert on American Girl dolls. Did you know that Saturday... Saturdays are dad's days at American Girl Doll Stores. Because that's the day that most dads get to go. Did you know that that's why they built Park Meadows Mall? It's all about the doll. They built the mall around the doll. Did you know that if you go into a restaurant at Park Meadows Mall, did you know that all of the restaurants have special American girl doll seats? If they see a little girl walk in with a doll, they bring out a special chair just for the doll, and they put it at the table. I know that. I go in on a Saturday, and I walk in, and I said, tell me that you have the Hawaiian princess, America. And she says, yes, we do. And she says, she's right over there. There's only a couple left in the box. And I said, you know, it was, it was like that movie, like that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, I, I just literally, I, I wanted to just fight people for the doll. I love my daughter so much. If anybody touches that doll, I'm taking them out. And I go get the doll and I hold it in my arms and I look at this little doll and I realize I am going all in. I'm in the store and now they don't have clothes on the doll. You can't have a naked doll. So now I got to buy clothes for the doll. And so I start walking around the store and I'm looking at clothes. And I start saying things out loud like, that is really cute. <laughs> that is so cute. <laughs> and I walk over, this is ultra. I, I walk over and I pick up a little dress. I'm standing there, I got, a, I got a doll and I pick up a little dress and I'm looking at the dress. And I realize, I, I look around and there are all dads around me. And I look over and there's a guy He's about a about a 250 pound biker with a leather jacket, arms you know know, cut off arms, and he's and he's got a beard, he's got sunglasses on top of his head. He's a biker, and he was very intimidating. And I look over, and he's holding a little pink dress in his hand, (laughs) and he looks over at me, and he goes, "I like this one." (laughs) And I said, "Are are there any more? Are are there any more?" Are there any blue ones? Because blue ones look really good against the brown skin of the Hawaiian. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. When, when, you, when you love somebody, you love what they love. it's not love if you don't. I love you, but I don't like your kids. I love you, I love you, Pastor Donna, but I don't like your husband. I love you, I love you, Pastor, but I don't like your wife. That is not the way it works. Peter, do you love me? Well, you know that I love I love you. Well then you gotta love my sheep. You, you have got to love what I love because love is not passive, love is active. Love has to do something, it has to go somewhere. Love has to sacrifice. Why do you think we're here? Why do you think, we think God was up in heaven bored and went, I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna make mankind. Holy Spirit, yes, Lord, I'm bored. Let's make people so we can have lots of problems to fix. <laughs> that is a really good idea. Let's just make you, no, God made man because there is something inside the nature of God that must give himself away. He can't not do it. You can't, do you love me? Oh, I love you so much. Well, then why don't you give something away of yourself? Take care of my sheep, lead my sheep, walk with my sheep until the end. When Peter died, this was his revelation. When the apostle Peter died, the cross and the church was his revelation. When they carried him outside to be put on a cross, they looked at him and because he had done such damage to the kingdom of hell, they flipped him upside down, his feet were up in the air, they nailed him to the cross upside down. And while he was being taken out, he looked at his wife and he says, honey, just remember what Jesus did on the cross. And they, they crucified him upside down. This was his revelation. To the level that we want to sacrifice for what God loves is the level of life that we will live and the, the impact that we will have on the world that we're walking through every single day. Jesus wants to spend time with me. If you don't, if you don't mind, this, this is not how God works. So, so he says, he says, I love you because what I need from you, Peter made it about himself. And if the church starts to believe that, then we become a us two without you and a, us four and no more. And people come into the church and they can't break in and they can't make friends. Can you imagine coming to the kingdom of God, walking into the body of Christ and not being able to make a friend? Is anybody, how are you guys all doing today? I, I, I feel like I'm having fun. Can you imagine not making a friend? Does anybody here need more friends? Hands. Come on, I need more Friends but friends that understand something about me that love me that want to be a part of my life, not just because they need something. Number two, Peter thought this, he thought, I love you because I need something from you. Not just, I need you. Like I want to be around you because that's awesome. You belong to me, but it's like, I actually need something specific from you. Matthew chapter eight, verse 14. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in a bed with a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left, and she got up. And, and Peter's whole life was, was um, Jesus doing things for him, and which is fine, because that's what God wants to do for his children. But do you know that when God does a whole bunch of stuff, we start to take it for granted, I talk to people all the time who have never had a church, never had a church family, never had Christian friends that didn't stab them in the back, never been in a small group that didn't get weird. They've never had anybody like treat them well inside of the church. And I think to myself, think, God, this can't please God. You can't just need something. I've never, I've never preached this because I, I, I never want to cause division in the church on this point, but this is kind of like the difference between, between cat lovers and dog lovers. I've never done this, because I've always been afraid, you know? It's kind of like, it's almost, it's almost as serious as theology. Some people get so divided on theology, I, I have to be careful, but dog lovers and cat lovers. Now, look, I love all animals, but some of you don't own your cat. Your cats own you. <laughs> I got to tell you, I went to a friend's house. This is why, it's in my heart. It's, it's like, I need something from, from you. You don't own your cat. I, you don't own your, your Your cat has a human. I think, I think cats talk about humans the way we talk about dogs. Again, one cat gets together with another cat and says, hey, I got a human. Picked him up. And the other cat says, they're great if you train them well. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like I, I, I watch the, do- the dogs. dogs come in. They just want to hug you and kiss you and cuddle with you. The cat walks in like this. And if you're sitting in the cat spot, they're like, <laughs> "The cat's like, what have you done for me like lately?" <laughs> People talk about their cat. I got, I got, I got, I got to get home. I got to get home. Why, my my cat? <laughs> If I don't get home, my cat is going to rip my couch to pieces. My cat's emotional. It's like, what, what, I need, I need, I need, I need this from you, I need this from you, I need this from you, and and we go through, and, and Jesus is saying, why do you love me? Why do you love me? Because you need something from me. What else do you need, Peter? Tell me what else do you need. Okay, you need that. Okay, you need your mother-in-law. You need a friend. Okay, you want to sit at my right hand. What else do you need? Okay, you need a little authority. You want people to see you walking with me down the street. We're cool with that. Okay, I got, what else, what else do you need from me? And at a certain point, in the kingdom of God, if we don't let that go, we will never have a revelation of what the cross was supposed to do, which was crucify certain human things out of us so that we can become more useful in the desperate lives of people who don't know Jesus and have no future. Guys, we've got we to stop and look at it. Do, do you love me or do you just need something from me? You've all had people who act like they love you, but they just need something from you. It happens to all of us. And because of the culture that we're in, we flip that and we treat God that way and we treat the church that way. Number three, I love you because of how it makes others view me. Peter was the tough guy. He was the strong defender in the group. He loved being next to Christ. He loved being where Jesus was when he wasn't where Jesus was, he went into deep depression. Because there was something about being next to the person who was making everything happen that kind of through association came back onto Peter. He saw a future with Jesus. The problem is is that Jesus wanted Peter not to relate with his humanity, but with his divinity. See, now if you don't know this, Jesus was fully human, but he was also fully God. And he lived a perfect and sinless life. He's the only fully human person to ever live a sinless life. The reason is because he had to be sinless so that when he died on the cross, he could be a representation of the spotless perfect lamb that was sacrificed in the Old Testament so he became the lamb of god for us when he died on the cross jesus came one time but christians live as if they still want to be next to the human jesus instead of the divinity of jesus which takes us from the time that we receive christ to the time that we go to heaven i'd rather be close to him right now than still looking backwards wanting to be wondering could i have sat at his right hand I thought you were going to start a real army and do a role. See, we look at Jesus like, I just want to, I want to be next to you so that people view me a certain way. When you get close to his humanity... And you just want to be a part of the thing that was sacrificed. See, that's what happens when you just want to be seen with Jesus or you want to be with the right people or you want to be a part of the right Christian posse or you want to make sure that you get the right Instagram at the right conference with the right person. And that's all fun and everything. But if that's all we want to do is be a part of that that cultural sort of media thing, at some point, all the Instagrams go away. I want to know the divinity of Jesus. I want to know God in the spirit because I want to be next to him because he cares about me and my life. I don't want to be next to the body of Jesus because the body of Jesus was crucified so that I can just have all this natural stuff. Jesus says, no, which, which part of me are you trying to get close to? Because my body already died for you. Just Just let me be God to you now. People's agendas come out. People's agendas start to be exposed, especially in leadership, you know, John chapter, John chapter 10 is the only chapter in the Bible where Jesus talked about how a pastor is supposed to act. All of the characteristics of a pastor or a leader. Now, listen, every person here is a pastor. Do you love me? How many of you love Jesus? Okay? Feed his sheep. Every one of you have a pastoral relationship to someone in your life and in your world. And John chapter 10 says, Don't be a hireling so that when the enemy comes, when the wolf comes, you run. Don't try to sneak in through the back gate or climb over the fence and not go through the process of leadership because you want to be a leader but you don't want to pay the price of leadership. That's why people need, if you want to be a leader, take the class. No one's gonna come up to me and go, hey, can I be a small group leader now? I just don't want to take the training. No. You you got to go through the process but we, we live in a world where it's like people just want the shortcut to everything. They don't want to go through the process. They feel purpose, but they don't want to go through the process. So we don't want to just be around Jesus because he makes us look good. But Peter did. Number four, I love you because you perform miracles. I love you because you perform miracles. You know, there were times where Jesus performed miracles in the New Testament, and those people wanted to run around and tell everybody about what Jesus did. And Jesus said, but you can't tell anyone what I just did. Could you imagine just to test the heart of people? Now, I love miracles. I'm a miracle believer. I'm a spirit-filled, charismatic believer in miracles, but I'm chasing the author of life, not the miracle. I wanna I want be where the miracles are, but I'd rather be where Jesus is, whether he does a miracle or not. I just, I just wanna be next to him. I'm a Bible believing, I believe in miracles, but I'm never going to be one of those guys that chases the miracle because there are so many people that I meet every single day. I'm telling you every day who are hurt and wounded and broken and bitter because they prayed for something and it did not happen the way that their prayer came out of their mouth. It just did, I prayed and I didn't get healed or I prayed my marriage didn't get fixed or I prayed and, and this is the way I want it to be and this is the way it should be and it didn't happen and so I don't, I'm not gonna be around anymore because I just, I just can't do that. I love you, Jesus, but you gotta perform miracles for me. And Jesus dealt with it all through the New Testament in people's lives. And all I can say to you is that, that when Jesus says, do you love me, it's gotta be unconditional in both directions. You ever think about that? We're always preaching about grace and how love has to be unconditional, but we don't return that to Jesus. I love you, but I didn't get the miracle. So Jesus turns to Peter and they're having fish, by the way. Peter, and Jesus didn't even go fishing. He just went, fish, fire, coals. And he says, hey, uh, guys, come over and have some breakfast with me. And they walked up onto the shore and they were kind of, they're like, I can't even believe this. I don't, I don't know what's going on right now. I mean, it's really you and you're here. And, and uh, then they had a little codependent moment. Peter goes, I love you. You're so awesome, Jesus. You know that I love you. And then he goes, he goes, but, but what, do I, what do I do about John over here? John's bothering me. You read it in 21. He goes, what about John? Jesus just shakes his head and goes, will you not worry about John right now? Don't worry about whether or not I spend time with John or how much time John gets. And if I wanna leave John here longer on the earth than you, then I'm gonna leave John longer. And he did. John was the very last, John, John died of old age where the rest of them were all martyred. He's like, but, but I, I, I need you to do that, do that for me. I need you to do that for me. Jesus, John 21. Peter, just stop. They all sit down. Jesus says, I know who you are. I know you're fishing and it's been hard and you didn't know where I was going to be. You didn't know if I was coming back. I told you to wait for me here, but I took a while. I was testing your heart. He was like, I know who you are. I know where you are. And I know what you need. And I'm going to provide for you. And so it always comes back, doesn't it? To Jesus and what he's done for us. And he says, do you love me? Then you got to love what I love. Do you love me? But if you follow follow the life backwards, it always comes back to here is Jesus. Sitting there on the bank of the river, he knows who you are, he knows where you are, and he knows what you need. And when he asks you the question, it's because he's trying to draw you to himself. Jesus loves you, amen? He loves us so much. Stand to your feet. Let's wrap this up this morning. Let's say a prayer and as you're as you're standing. I want you to know I am gonna pray for you this morning to have a relationship with God Can you bow your heads, please as we wrap this moment up in the presence of Jesus? Make no mistake about it. Jesus is here on the bank of the river today right now He knows who you are. He knows where you are and he knows what you need all the heads bowed and all your eyes closed if you could um, this morning If you do not have a relationship with Jesus or if you need to restore, like like Peter did, your relationship with Jesus because you took a little trip uh, and you went away for a little while, but you know that your relationship with Christ is always about what he's done for you and, and you just having that relationship with him letting him love you, letting him be there through the good times and the bad times, through every mistake and every victory. He never changes. He never leaves, right? So every head bowed. If you're here this morning and you need to renew your relationship with Jesus, just lift your hand quickly. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna walk out of here. We're gonna have a great afternoon. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anyone else? Two people, three people, four people, five people. Anyone else need to renew your relationship with Christ today? Anyone else? Before I go on, I'm gonna wait just 10 more seconds. Anyone else want to receive this prayer? Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Father, I love you today, and I, I just am so overwhelmed um, with your presence, your love. And, and the answer to your question is, Jesus, I mean, you know all. You know I love you. But I do pray, Father, that you would help me define love towards you the way you love me. You love me unconditionally, and so I have to love you back unconditionally. And if I do, I'm surrendering control, which means I can be used in such a wonderful way in my life. So, Father, I just receive your love, and I receive your goodness. Father, I I know that without you, I would be nothing, and so I'm so grateful today. Jesus, I love you. I want the whole church to pray this with me out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, here I am today. You know who I am, you know where I am, and you know what I need. And I thank you, Father, for forgiving me for every mistake that I have ever made or ever will make. You love me that much. Today, I give my life back to you, and I renew my love, and I redefine my love according to how you love me, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, come on. Give Jesus some praise this morning. I love you so much. I love you, Pearl Church. Come on, I love you so much. God's good. Can I hear an amen? All right, let's close with the song and the offering. All right, here we go.